Well, at the start of a new year, it's a natural time to think about kind of who we are and, and who we want to become in the year ahead, who we want to become more alike or how we want this year to sort of shape our, our future. And I've heard it said, uh, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. The idea being that the people that we spend the most time with or that we invest our lives in most closely ultimately have sort of the greatest influence on shaping who we are and who we end up uh, becoming. And there's all kinds of research and data behind this. Like, did you know that there is a study that can predict how likely you are to be a person who wears sunscreen based on whether or not your friends are people who wear sunscreen? So choose who you go on your winter vacation with wisely, right? Um, but I think we know that there is truth to this at, at even deeper and more significant levels. In fact, the scriptures even affirm this idea in Proverbs 13, verse 20, where it says, uh, become wise by walking with the wise or hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Again, the idea being, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So at the start of a new year, we thought, what better conversation to have than one about friendship? And as a community who believes that the most life-shaping, sort of future-shaping friendship we could have is actually a friendship with Jesus, we thought, why not look at the kind of friend that Jesus is uh, so that we could hopefully uh, grow uh, our experience and understanding and encounter of a friendship with Jesus ourselves ultimately see what kind of friend Jesus was to his friends and become a friend more like him so that our friendships and our future can be shaped more by him in the year ahead. That's what this whole series is about. And what we're going to do is actually uh, zoom in on some of Jesus's closest friendship relationships to see what we can learn about a friend like Jesus in this series. And to start us off this morning, uh, I want to uh, share about uh, Jesus's friendship with a guy named John. Now, you've probably heard the name John in relation to Jesus because he was one of Jesus's closest followers and friends, and he ended up writing one of the four gospel accounts of the good news of Jesus, as well as a few letters in the New Testament. And uh, one thing that's kind of interesting about John among sort of Jesus's circle of friends is that John actually lived longer than basically all of the rest of, of the inner circle. And he wrote about Jesus uh, later in life after most of their friends had passed on. It gave him kind of a unique perspective and vantage point to unpack his experience with Jesus and the sort of the essence of who Jesus was. Now, when it came to uh, the friendship experience and the friendship circle uh, that he was a part of with Jesus, some might say that he took full advantage of the fact that uh, his other friends had, had passed on before he wrote his gospel. Uh, I want to show you what I mean uh, in how John referred to himself in the third person, the very first time he referred to himself in the writing of his gospel. Uh, this was as he was uh, writing about the, the Last Supper with Jesus in John 13, 23. Uh, this is what he says, referring to himself. He says, one of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him, next to Jesus. Now, did, did you catch what he said there? One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Think about what, what John's doing here. If imagine in your friendship circle, let's say you have a group of friends uh, that are pretty tight. Uh, you've known each other a long time. You've, you've been through a lot together. There's a close bond. But maybe there is a particular friend in the group who has always sort of stood out as a bit of a leader or, or someone that everybody kind of looks up to or admires somewhat uniquely. And then imagine one friend in this circle uh, says about the, this other friend that, that everyone kind of looks up to says, well, I'm the one that they love. 
Maybe even I'm the one they love uniquely or more than the rest of you, or kind of like I'm their favorite. It almost sounds like that's what John is saying here in his friendship with Jesus. In fact, John was so bold to, to actually describe himself this way as the disciple whom Jesus loved four more times in his gospel story. Three of them sort of in this direct contrast or, or parallel uh, with Peter, one of Jesus's other closest friends who we'll talk about next week. So why is this relevant and what's going on here? Is John actually working out some kind of like friendship circle, social insecurities in his old age now that his friends had passed on? Well, I don't think so. Um, I think John coming to describe himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved out of his friendship with Jesus actually says way more about Jesus than it does about John. Because I think as as John wrote about his experience with Jesus, he came to the point where he couldn't help but express um, an experience, an encounter, a reality, an impact that Jesus had had on him, knowing that he was loved by Jesus, that he was the one that Jesus loved so deeply. In fact, it went to an extent that John ended up penning one of the most profound descriptions of the character of God based on his experience of Jesus and what he wrote in 1 John 4, where he said, God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son. He sent Jesus into the world that we might live through him. See, John, as one of the closest friends of Jesus, in his relationship and friendship with Jesus, came to this experiencing experience of knowing that he knew that he knew that Jesus loved him, that he was loved by Jesus and loved by God, and that that's where the whole foundation of his relationship began and rested. Because in this series and looking at Jesus and what it means to be a friend like Jesus, the first thing I want you to know is that Jesus is a friend who lets you know you're loved. That in in friendship with Jesus, without hesitation, without apprehension, without condition, you can know that you know that you know that you're loved by him because Jesus is a friend who lets you know you're loved. Now, why is this um, maybe profound when it comes to our friendships? Because maybe we'd say, well, isn't that sort of an obvious sort of necessary ingredient or building block to any friendship? But I think if we're honest, when we think of our friendship experiences and and feelings, think about some of your closest friends. Do you always live with this confidence, unwavering assurance that you are loved by them? Or is there sometimes kind of question or doubt in that? Or, Or put it the other way, would your closest friends be able to say that they know without a doubt that that you love them? Is that where your relationship is anchored together? What we see is that in friendship with Jesus, and when it comes to being a friend like Jesus, Jesus is a friend who lets you know you're loved. And that was John's experience with Jesus, both in how Jesus told his friends he loved them and how he showed his friends he loved them. Look at what Jesus said uh, to his friendship circle the night before he gave up his life for them in, in John 15, 9 to 11. He said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. See, Jesus was a friend who explicitly verbalized his love to his friends, explicitly told his friends that he loved them. He didn't just assume that they would kind of know that because they had had built this connection and relationship. 
He didn't take the approach of kind of, I'll tell you I love you once, and if I ever change my mind, I'll let you know. No, he repeatedly and consistently let them know that he loved them by, by telling them in a way that I think is sometimes uh, kind of uncommon or unnatural or even weird, may feel weird in our friendships. I was thinking about this recently when uh, Carrie Jones uh, told her story this fall on our Southridge podcast. Many of you know Carrie. She's our family life pastor here at Southridge. And, and last year, Carrie went through a significant health crisis and health scare um, that had her face and endure a life-saving surgery in the fall. And, and we are so grateful that today, Carrie uh, is well and recovering and, and healthy. Um, and she shared that story on our Southridge podcast with Jeff Lockyer uh, and just some of the reflections she had had kind of coming out the other side of that experience of life-saving surgery. And she said that, that one of the things that she now found in herself is she said, I, I know, you know, I'm maybe now one of those weird people who tells my friends that I love them. That, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird, but I can't help having come out of this kind of life-changing experience to be deliberate about saying to my friends, I love you. But what if what wasn't weird for Jesus didn't have to be weird for us? If we were going to grow in being friends more like Jesus who let our friends know that they're loved. Because Jesus uh, is a friend who lets you know you're loved by telling you, but he's also a friend who lets you know you're loved by showing you. Um, and one of the most sort of compelling illustrations of how John experienced this and articulated this and how he described his experience of having his feet washed by Jesus. As he set up this experience in his gospel, uh, this, is how, this is how he described it in John 13 verse 1 said it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, referring to his friends, John wrote that he loved them to the end. And then Jesus had this experience of washing their feet to show that love. Now, foot washing is not something that we're super familiar with not really a custom or necessity uh, in, in our first century experience. Probably most of us have never had our feet washed by, by someone else. Um, but in the first century, not only what was it a custom, it was sort of an absolute necessity because in the first century, you walked around with open toe sandals down dry and dusty sort of cattle and horse highways. And uh, first century feet had stepped in it a time or two, if you know what I'm saying. And it was uh, sort of the custom that when you'd come to someone's house for dinner, uh, the lowest servant, kind of lowest on the social hierarchy, the, the, the lowest slave begrudgingly had to grab the wash basin and the towel and come and one by one wash the it off the guest's feet, usually starting with the guest of honor. But out of his love for his friends, to show them his love right to the end, Jesus completely flipped this script. Script. When he joyfully grabbed the basin and wrapped the towel around his arm and went one by one, washing the disciples' feet, it and all, to show them how much he loved them. All as a foreshadow of the extent of his love that, that he would ultimately lay down his life for them the very next day as the greatest act of friendship and love the world has ever seen. Um, Jesus spoke to that later that night. Intimately, intimately with his friends when he said, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. He said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, 
I have called you friends. And the very next day, Jesus laid down his life for his friends and for the world and everyone he would long to call friends for for you and for me and for all of us together. The greatest act of love the world has ever seen and a friend could ever do. Because Jesus is a friend who lets you know you're loved by how he tells you and how he shows you. And if you, you don't hear anything else maybe today or in this series, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. And Jesus has done everything necessary to, to tell you that he loves you and to show you that he loves you. And he longs to experience an increasingly loving friendship with you. And I want us to know this, maybe especially if this conversation about friendship uh, that we're going to be in this month starts to create feelings of uh, you know, concern about some of the difficulties you're experiencing in your friendship these days, or, or maybe the loneliness you're experiencing because of a lack of friendship. Um, know that Jesus loves you, and in a friendship with him, we can be anchored in an unwavering um, love that we know, that we know, that we know that he loves us. And then it's out of that love, that if Jesus is inviting us to continually become a friend more like him to our friends, I think the question for us is, am I a friend who lets my friends know that they're loved? Um, the beginning of 2023, uh, could my closest friends, could your closest friends kind of say with confidence and know with confidence uh, that they're the ones that I love, that they're the ones that you love? Well, to help us uh, this week, maybe take a step forward in growing in that friend-like-Jesus kind of love, I want to give us a, a simple framework that maybe could be a way we can think about this or apply this in our friendships. And it's a framework called the Five Love Languages. It was developed by uh, Dr. Gary Chapman, an author and psychologist. After uh, extensive research and, and a long history of counseling, he came to discover that as human beings, we tend to uh, give and receive love through sort of five common love languages. And we each have one or two that are most natural for us based on our wiring or, or our upbringing. Um, in no particular order, I'll, I'll show them to us here. Uh, the first love language is quality time. You know, that when you spend meaningful, attentive time with someone else, that, that that's a way to give and receive love. Um, next is words of affirmation, um, that speaking sincere and intentional and thoughtful words of encouragement um, that build up is a way some most receive love. Gifts is another love language, you know, thoughtful, meaningful, sacrificial, valuable gifts given to someone. Acts of service, doing something for someone, meeting a need, going out of your way to serve another. And the fifth love language is physical touch, that, uh, you know, affection, hugs, you know, these kinds of things are another way we can show love. And all of us have a primary one. Uh, maybe you're already starting to, to know which one you'd resonate with most and uh, can be applied to all kinds of relationships. Frankly, in, in our marriage, for Lindsay and I, the five love languages have been extremely helpful because we early on came to discover that our primary love languages are actually quite different. And so uh, in order for us to take a Jesus-shaped approach to telling our, and showing our love to one another, what we've had to do in an others-oriented sacrificial way is actually become aware of the other person's love language and learn to speak it, practice speaking it in a way that tells them and shows them their loves, lets them know they're loved like Jesus has let us know we're loved. 
So in your friendships, how can this five love languages framework help you better tell and show love to your friends? You know, if you're a quality time person, but you sense that one of your friends is a, a words person, how can you take some of your time, even this week, to write a note of encouragement to them, what you appreciate about them, telling them that you love them, what you hope for them in the year ahead? If you're a gifts person, but you have a friend who's a, an acts of service person, maybe the gift you can give them this month is to say, hey, what can I help you with? What's, what's something you're behind in? Is there a chore I can do for you? How could I serve you? And then to go and do something, an act of service and kindness to show them your love. These are just some simple ways I think we could uh, become friends more like Jesus to our friends. Knowing that Jesus is a friend that lets you know you're loved. Jesus is a friend who let John knew he was loved. And Jesus is inviting us to express the same kind of love in our friendships, for that to be the bedrock that our friendships are built on. And that's our heart for this series. That's what I hope we can grow in together uh, this year. And it's, it's something I want to grow in as well, because I have so much room to grow in being this kind of friend. Um, but as I reflected on, on all of this, I... I was thinking about how grateful I am for a friend in my life uh, who has been this Jesus-like friend to me, a friend that definitely lets me know I'm loved. It's a friend named Nathan, a guy named Nathan Dobson, who uh, a number of you would know. He's been in and out of our, our community, you know, on and off over the years. Um, and Nathan lives with a developmental disability, uh, which certainly creates some challenges for him and at times makes some of his, his social interactions a bit awkward. Um, but Nathan also lives with this kind of beautiful um, and just confident assurance, almost free and childlike understanding of how much Jesus loves him. He knows he's the one whom Jesus loves. And out of that love, he can't help but express and exude intentional telling and showing of love to his friends. For me, as someone who's not really a natural hugger, um, there's not too many times that Nate and I aren't together that he will let me leave without a sort of a big uh, grappling bear hug. And in those moments, if I can melt away any of my feelings of sort of awkwardness or discomfort or what's unnatural for me, um, in that grip, I know without a doubt that Nathan, as my friend, loves me. It's not really any conversation that we end you know, leaving one another or hanging up the phone where Nathan doesn't let the conversation end without saying, I love you, buddy. In a way that's not quite as common for me with lots of my friendships to say, I love you, man, or I love you, friend. Um, but it may be Nathan's favorite way of telling me he loves me that, that just most connects to the heart of Jesus here, to the friend like Jesus and the way that John knew because of his friendship with Jesus that he was the one that Jesus loved. And it's when Nathan says to me, you know I love you, buddy. You know I love you, buddy. And it's because of the Jesus-like friend that Nathan is to me that, that I absolutely do. Friends, Jesus is a friend who lets you know you're loved. And he's, he's done everything to tell us and to show us how much he loves us and wants to call us friends. And it's out of his love for us that he desires to grow in becoming friends more like him so that we can let our friends know they're loved by how we show them and tell them. 
I invite you to think about who's your one, two, maybe three friends that you could grow in this Jesus-like friendship and love this year. Who can you express a love language to this week or this month? And how might that grow all of our friendships with Jesus? Um, Help us be friends more like Jesus to our friends and ultimately have a future shaped more like Jesus or more by Jesus this year. It's my prayer for us. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you call us friends. Um, We thank you that we see out of your friendship with someone like John, that we can know that we know that we are the ones that you love. And you invite us to be friends more like you to, to tell and show that love to our friends, all so we can be shaped more by you and become more like you in the days ahead. God, may you lead us in that. May you guide us in that. May your spirit bring our friends to mind and how we can love them well this week. We trust you in that and we look forward to what you're gonna do in and through us because of your love and friendship for us, Jesus. We pray in your name, amen.